This morning, I want us to continue on that theme of uh, about uh, life can be tough, but God is good. And I want to focus this morning on the thought that when good doesn't seem good enough. And when I say when good doesn't seem good enough, I'm not talking about God being good and he's not good enough. But when I'm talking about is when we're trying to be good, but our good doesn't seem to be good enough. There are times in your life that uh, maybe you've been a good person and you try to do good to other people and treat people good. And then it seems like things don't turn out good. Joyce shared a little bit about our life and Joyce has always been a good person. And I'm sure there've been times when she felt like that she's been good, but she's not getting good results from it. And sometimes we feel that way. It just seems like, okay, I'm trying to be good, but it don't seem like that God's seeing my good as being good enough and good things are not coming out of my good efforts. And we can kind of get to a mentality that can sometimes cause us to fall into a pit spiritually in our lives. The scripture that we're looking at today is a scripture about a widow woman and things have maybe been good at part of her life and then everything has gone bad and then things get better and then things get worse. She's on a roller coaster. You may have been through a part in your life where life has been kind of like a roller coaster of good and bad and moments when you felt like that your good didn't seem to be good enough in the eyes of God. When I was growing up uh, as a young child, very early in my life, I figured out that uh, everything revolved around my dad. My dad made all the decisions, whatever he said, that's what we did, that was it, period. And so as I was growing up, my dad had a few different uh, types of work and business that he did, that he worked from his shop and stuff at the uh, house. And so anytime I wasn't at school, I was usually having to help my dad. And so knowing that my dad's personality was, he expected everything to happen when he wanted it to happen, that I was always helping him. And so I always tried to be good and do good. One of the things that didn't work out so good was that uh, as uh, I was helping my dad at a young age, My dad, I learned a lot of things from him, but he never was one who said, all right, to do this, you do one, two, three, four. Somehow he just thought that I was born into this world knowing everything that he knew. And one of my early points of figuring that out was that I'd be helping him do something and he'd say, get so-and-so tool for me. And I'd be going, what in the world is that? You know, I've never heard that before. He's never told me, but when he said it, I knew he was expecting it. And so I'd pray diligently and hope that I got the right thing. And so as I was growing up, I would try to always do good and be good so that everything turned out good with dad. But it seemed like no matter what I did and no matter how good I tried to do, I got chewed out. It didn't turn out so good and good wasn't good enough. And then as I got older and got married and I was on my own, having come from that mentality of doing whatever your dad says, he's in control of everything. There's no back talk. There's no nothing. Do whatever he says to do. When I got older, I thought, okay, I'm on my own. I don't have to do that anymore. I can make my own decisions. And then when my dad's health started getting bad, guess what? It was like going right back into my childhood of having to do things for my dad and make sure everything happened. And in the process of doing that, I was trying to do good and do good for my dad, but guess what? It didn't seem like doing good was good enough. And I can remember one time when my dad's health was, uh, you know, it was getting pretty bad, but uh, he still was doing some things on his own. And I, this one particular week, I had done a lot of stuff trying to make things happen good for my dad. And, and I, th- I was thinking, okay, everything's good. And I was in his house, talked to him about some stuff. And then all of a sudden he told me, he said, 
I've been thinking about getting a gun and shooting you, but I hadn't got the nerve up to do it yet. And I was just like, good is still not good enough. And I'm thinking, I'm right back where I was when I was a child. And here, God, I'm trying to do good, but good enough's not good enough for my dad. And it don't seem to be good enough for you because I'm not getting good results out of this. And like I said, when we get hung in that mentality, we can sometimes fall into a spiritual pit that we begin to get angry at God and we lose sight of God is good even when life is tough. Let's look at these scriptures this morning about this widow woman and see some truths that sometimes our minds can be thinking when it seems like good doesn't seem to be good enough. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and beginning in verse 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah. And this is a a setting when Elijah is a prophet of God. And uh, God has told him to tell the king that there's not going to be any rain. There's going to be a drought for a period of time because of the sin that's going on. So Elijah has been in this drought. Everybody else is in this drought. No rain has come yet. And so God is sending him to a woman that's going to provide some food for him. So in that verse 8, it says, The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. So it's just happening just like God has said. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now remember, there's a drought going on and water is a deep commodity. And uh, here this man comes into town and he asks this woman who's out gathering sticks, hey, I need some water. Could you bring me a cup of water? And I can imagine she's thinking, what's wrong with this guy? Does he not know we're in a drought and you can't hardly get water? And then he goes on saying in verse 11, and as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, And please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I'm thinking, this woman is thinking, this guy is crazy. We're in a famine. There's not hardly any water. There's not hardly any food. And he comes into town and he says, hey, would you get me a cup of water and bring me some bread too while you're at it? And so the woman responds to him in verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So this woman is not seeing this as a positive encounter with this man named Elijah. She said, do you not understand? I don't have any bread. I don't have, I have a little bit of flour. I have a little bit of oil. And a matter of fact, I'm gathering some sticks because I'm going to try to take that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil and fix a last little bite because this will probably be the last food me and my son have. And then we're going to be going to die of starvation. When verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. And I'm thinking, this is going downhill fast. Not only is this guy wanting some water, and not only is he wanting bread, but when I explain to him that I don't have but a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, he is arrogant enough that he says, okay, well, go make some and make me some first and bring it to me. Then you make some for you and your son. I mean, this guy has lost his mind, you know. But the Bible goes on to say, 
that verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days and the bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. And so this woman who's probably just thinking the arrogance of this guy but she goes ahead and does it and then she's blessed. They continue to eat for many days and then finally rain's coming and everything's getting better. So she's been at a low point. Now she's at a high point in her life. Life is good. But in verse 17 is where we find where things start to fall into a spiritual pit, you might say, where this good suddenly becomes not good enough and she becomes angry at Elijah. She becomes angry at God and begins to say, is good not good enough for God? In verse 17, it says, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And so she's angry now. She's saying, what, what are you trying to do? What is happening? I've, I've tried to be good. I've tried to do good for you. I've tried to do good in the eyes of God. And here, good's not coming back to me. And so she's wondering, where is the God in the midst of this? And so there's this spiritual pitfall that she's falling into. And she's saying, this was, uh, you know, I'm doing good, but I'm getting blamed for sins in my past, in my life. And in verse 19, it says, and he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him into the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Can you imagine the roller coaster she's on that life maybe has been pretty good and then life takes a nosedive and then it gets really good and then it comes tragic. She loses the one thing she's got and that is her son. And you know, this woman at this climax when she's coming to the point that it looks like being good is not good enough, that she's blaming God, she's blaming Elijah, and it just looks like there's no use in trying to do good or trying to do what God wants you to do. And that's really one of the most dangerous places that a person can be when you feel like that doing good is not good enough. Well, there's a few things that God kind of revealed to me in these scriptures about where we can be and what causes us to get to a point that we feel like that good doesn't seem to be good enough. One thing that God revealed to me is that when we get to that point, it's because we focus on what we don't have instead of what God can do. When you get to a point that you focus on what you don't have 
Instead of focusing on what God can do, that's going to lead you into a spiritual pitfall in your life and you begin to question God. When you look at verse 12, after Elijah has confronted her, she says, I do not have any bread. The first words out of her mouth, her first response is what she doesn't have. Instead of looking at the possibilities of what God could do in her life. In our lives, sometimes we get the same point as this woman was, and that is that we have problems going on. We've tried to do good. We've tried to do good for other people. We've tried to do good for God, but it seems like good doesn't seem to be good enough. And now we're at a point that all we can see is what we don't have or what we can't seem to have. Joyce, when she was talking about uh, Michael and Christy being born in those first couple of years of our marriage, and during that time, I was uh, the only one working. She was staying at home, and I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And a matter of fact, I believe that if you looked at all the bills that we had and added those things up and looked at my income, you'd be probably asking me, where did you get the extra money you needed to pay those bills? And I would just have to say, it was just God because nobody gave me any money. There wasn't any other resource. It was just, that was it. And that's how it happened. And during that time, There were moments that we looked at what we did have and we looked at what we didn't have and it looked like we weren't going to get or be able to have. But you still have to just trust God that he is still good when life is tough. So when we focus on what we don't have instead of what God can do, we lose out on the reality of that. Another thing that God revealed to me is also in verse 12 and that is we finalize our story before God is finished on his side. You know what it means to finalize your story? You look at your circumstances and you done decide how everything's gonna turn out. When this woman said that she didn't have any bread and all she had was a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil in a jar, and here's what she said, listen. She said, I'm gonna fix a little bit of food for me and my son and then we're gonna die. You see how she'd already played out her story in her mind? She looked at what she had and it wasn't gonna be enough to survive. And in her mind, she done decided this is the last little bit of food we're gonna have and then we're just gonna starve to death. We're gonna die. She had already finished the story of her life before she gave God an opportunity to finish his side. And I can only imagine that sometimes in our lives, we kind of look at circumstances, we prejudge everything, we decide what our story is gonna end like and then God's over here doing something, listen, He's over here preparing something for us that's gonna come down the road, but we done finished the story. And God's probably thinking, come on, give me a chance here. I'm working out something for your good. But we look at things on the surface. We look at things on the outside, and then we done decide how things are gonna happen. How many of you have ever heard of Susan Boyle? Anybody know who that is? She was originally on... Uh, Britain's Got Talent. And it was the British version of America's Got Talent. And Susan Bull was a lady that came on and when she came on to the stage to do her first uh, performance, when she came out, you could see all the expressions. She was very homely looking. And uh, when she talked, she got very confused. And if you watch the audience, you can see her and the judges are thinking, okay, this is gonna be a letdown of Britain's Got Talent. But then things change. 
You see, they had already determined in their mind based on the circumstances and what things looked like, they had already decided how it was gonna be, but then things changed. I want you to watch this little video of when Susan Bull made her first presentation on Britain's Got Talent. Hi, what's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of, it's a collection of uh, villages. I to think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine like Page. That. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay, big song. <laughs> yeah? Yes. As you can see from the expressions, when she comes on the stage, she's kind of homely looking and they see the confusion of her trying to explain where this community is that she lives. They have already played out her story. But then when she begins to sing, the eyebrows raise, the jaws drop because something miraculous has happened. They had already played out her story. This is gonna be a disaster, a waste of time, how did she ever get on this show? And then they're amazed. Well, that kind of leads me to what I see in the last part of these scriptures, and that is we fear the moment when God is actually preparing a miracle. If you were to look at verses 17 and 18, we see that God did a miracle through this widow woman's son and she's mad and she's blaming God and saying that, you know, what is this? You're just trying to bring all the sin of my life up and then take away all that's most precious, the only thing that I've got. And then God does a miracle and brings her son back to life. In that moment, she was fearing the moment. And when you look at what Elijah said early on, he said, fear not. He was trying to encourage her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid right now. Don't be afraid to later down the road. Don't be fearful of anything that's gonna happen because God is in control. A lot of times we fear the moments that we experience and we forget that maybe God's preparing a miracle for our life. Susan Ball was a miracle when she began to sing. In your life and in my life, God has plans that we don't understand, we don't know, and we don't see what the income or outcome is going to be. But we got to just trust God. What causes us to get to a point in our life that we seem like good just doesn't seem good enough? A lot of times it's because of the roller coaster of experiences that we're having. 
Things may be good one moment, they're bad another, and then they're a little better, and then they're worse. And those roller coaster moments can sometimes cause us to say, I'm trying to do good, but good's not coming out. And so those roller coaster moments can cause us to doubt God and see a bad end to our story. Sometimes it's the physical exhaustion that we have. Because you can be in a moment, I told you about taking care of my dad, and when I was taking care of my dad, I was ended up, I would stay with him at night, and a lot of times I didn't get to sleep much, and then I'd try to go back to church the next day and while my sister was staying with him and try to work, and so the physical exhaustion was hitting me, and those moments of where I try to kind of figure out what all am I losing track of, and I just kind of lose thought, the physical exhaustion can get you a point that you just kind of think, I'm trying to do good, but good just doesn't seem to be good enough. And sometimes it's the emotional stress that you just emotionally, you're drained, you're wrung out. You're kind of like a wet rag that somebody has twisted it up and just pulled and squeezed and just squeezed the last of everything that's in it. In those moments, if we're not careful, we can fall into a spiritual pit and we question God. Probably many of us are going to go through points in our life where you think, okay, and it might be you've been good most of your life and you're thinking, I'm trying to do good, but good just doesn't seem good enough. Or maybe you haven't been so good and you decide, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try for once in my life to be good. And you go, well, that didn't turn out so good. So forget that. One thing that we can be reminded from these scriptures that Elijah said to that widow woman, that is fear not, don't lose sight. Keep the hope and the trust and don't let your mind play out the story to some disaster when God may be preparing a miracle in your life. And you know what? Something's not a miracle until something bad has happened first.